afternoon. Welcome to the program. Why is this a thing? Is the name Happy Documentary Month, boys? Woo! It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> We're carrying this song. March of the documentary, right? Is that what we? Yeah. March of the documentaries. Hell Is yeah! Love this month. Nonfiction, baby. <laughs> Let's go. It's funny because the rest of the year, I fucking hate documentaries. You do. I do. I find them very boring. Really? Yeah. Uh, interesting. But okay. I feel like we always manage to pull out these weird fucking ones from the woodworks. Yeah. I, I like documentaries. What's your problem with documentaries? Yeah. What's your What's your beef with? I feel with like too facts. many of them are <laughs> pretentious. They, too many like, of them are pretentious. Right. They can be. Yeah. And a lot of them suck. Right. Because anybody with a camera thinks they're a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? I've met a few of those. So. And, and there's definitely most things. You might be sitting gonna, in a room with one. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to be honest with you. Most things in life are not worth filming. Like, uh, That's fair. That is fair. But that, that that's part of why certain documentaries are interesting, though, for that very reason that you're, you're able to pull something so compelling out of real how life, many which times is so mundane. Do I have to watch, how many times do I have to watch the subject brushing their teeth? Like, I don't care. Uh, Stop. Oh my, yeah. Or Stop. like going through old photo albums. Sitting and, and on a bedside thing. going through people, people act like the first shot is them oh. waking up in the morning. They hit their alarm clock. Right. Right. And that's actually supposed to be taken seriously. They're, they're organic. They just happen. It's like, no, every documentary looks the same. You right. can't tell me that they're organic or they happen naturally and that you have no input whatsoever, which is actually kind of what I really liked about the second documentary about right. the amazing Jonathan that right. we watched. We watched two today and we'll get into this, but yeah. it's not even about Jonathan. Not at all. No, no. Which, which is. is I, I, I actually kind of love it for that, especially because that wasn't the intention. The intention mm-hmm. was for it to be about Jonathan, and the the documentary filmmaker got forced into making a movie about himself. Yeah, tends to be the most fascinating kind of documentary. Really That's, fascinating. You know, there's instances like Hoop Dreams where they just kind of started making it on a whim, and then it's like one of the greatest stories of, uh, right. uh, of, of, of uh, I guess you could say, disenfranchised youths trying to make their, their dreams come, become a thing, and it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Yeah, it, you need... Two things as a documentary filmmaker. Access and luck. Yep. yep. You got to be in the room and you got to get lucky when something good happens. And uh, I think that's the case with this one. Well, well I guess it doesn't I would argue, really have the access, but it does have the luck. Yeah. You know? I, I, I would argue, though, that what he, really he had in this movie was the eye to pivot. He no. understood that what he, the film he thought he was making is not actually the film he was making, and he knew to pivot correctly towards the film he was making, which I think was a movie he did not want to make, no. a movie that made himself profoundly uncomfortable. Incredibly mm. resourceful so, guy for doing exactly what yeah. he did. I was kind right. of shocked that he went in that direction, but like, I, I don't think... I think I don't think I think most documentary filmmakers would never consider to do what he did. And that was the right. more impress- impressive thing about it. So sure. Um, and <laughs> if you look at the comments of the director of the first documentary, uh, always amazing, I guess. We'll we'll explain the specifics in a second. But if you see what he had to say about the particular conflict, um, I, I don't think you would be leveling the same compliments like resourceful open-minded willing to go in whatever direction he wanted um yeah this is a real complicated saga that went down <laughs> between two documentaries we're, we're, we're covering both 
always amazing. Um, the the story of the amazing Jonathan, uh, which is available on YouTube. I, I recommend watching it. Yeah, yes, this is good. actually this one's actually about Jonathan. Yes, um, right. and about some of the important people in his life. Yes, uh, the uh, the full title is always amazing: the true story of the life, death, and return of Amazing Jonathan, which uh, is a very um, interesting title considering. It really isn't about the return as much. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. So that was directed this... by a guy named Steve Byrne, who yep. is a comic that I guess came of age around the same time that Amazing Jonathan did and was like good pals with him. Um, and the other one is called The Amazing Jonathan Documentary, which <laughs> is available to stream on Hulu and is directed by this guy, Benjamin Berman, who is known i guess primarily for directing a bunch of tim and andre is that right tim and eric tim and eric, tim and eric yeah. episodes you get mixed like, up with eric andre who was featured in the movie yeah well tim that, that's the tim and eric it, <laughs> right. tim and eric right I, okay that's right, eric, eric right <laughs> yeah die adult swim guy yeah Anyway. Okay, okay. And so, by the way, Steve Byrne, I know very well, actually. I, me too. I yeah, love yeah. Steve Byrne. He's actually a very funny comedian. I was kind of surprised to see that he directed the movie. Yeah, but It does seem here. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like his style at all. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't, seem, it doesn't have any style, really. I mean, I like the right. movie, but yeah, it, that was kind of surprising, given the fact mm-hmm. that I, I, I like the guy. Both directors had never made a movie before. Both of them were thrust into this situation... And, uh, I mean, already had enough to worry about before the amazing Jonathan just pulled some shit. And the reason, of course, why we're talking about these two movies is because the amazing Jonathan did pass away this week. Although when I saw the article in the New York Times, I wasn't sure if I believed Mm. it. Thought it might have been a lie. Thought it might have been another elaborate ruse that this guy pulled off. Uh, But indeed not... uh, he, he met his demise this week to the heart disease that he had been battling since, I guess, the early 2010s. And both of these movies deal with those two subjects heavily, although in very different ways. <laughs> so before we get into the specifics of the of the of these two documentaries, Amazing Jonathan. You guys aren't like huge fans of his. Zach and I, I think he's more our bag. He's always sort of been like a, a, a cult fascination of mine mm. over the years. What would you think about him? Yeah, First so, and I foremost. Mean, I mean, I've definitely seen Amazing Jonathan before. It's not somebody that I followed, like, super intensely. But, uh-huh. um, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think the most, I don't know, I guess I guess getting Penn Jillette on there to talk about him, to me, <laughs> yes. was the best. Because Penn Jillette is, like, a talented magician who dabbles in comedy. Whereas, like, the Amazing Jonathan is the opposite end of that. He's, like, a talented comedian who dabbles in magic. Right. Did right. you need that they, validation they, from someone like him? Well, I just, I just think they're two. They're cut from the same cloth. Those two guys. Yeah. They're both yeah. incredibly smart, um, mm-hmm. but they don't take themselves too seriously. Well, but also have vastly different personal experiences. Mm. Like yeah. Amazing Jonathan is an open and uh, and uh, I guess proud drug addict. It seems that way. <laughs> to the point where he's actually doing drugs on camera shamelessly. <laughs> And Pendulet has never touched a drug or alcohol in his life. That's a good point as well. Yeah. So you have these two opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, And yeah, Penn is sort of able to articulate in a very like honest way what works about this guy. 
but also why he only reached sort of 50 percent of his potential mm-hmm. uh yeah th- i think that was the, the 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 i guess the greatest asset of the first documentary is you had a narrator like him and even david copperfield to a certain extent who i don't think did it as well as penn did but sort of explained the reasons why jonathan is able to get away with what's normally considered a very hacky form of comedy in prop comedy mm-hmm. because he disguises it under the umbrella of magic, you know, and he's able to sort of, uh, you know, uproot and comment on magic tropes. And that's sort of seen as modern and interesting. Whereas if you took the magic layer off of it, you know, if you didn't call him a magician, he would just sort of be carrot top, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Which is also interesting. He brought Carrot Top on one and of the Carrot Top's also in it there as well. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because when you watch David Copperfield talking about him, he does not seem to think he's a good magician. That's actually – I don't get the impression that Carrot uh, – or that, that uh, David Copperfield really finds The Amazing Jonathan to be a good magician at all. Sure. Okay. And there's – I get the impression he's kind of like, why are you talking to me I am nothing like this guy. We have nothing in common. Mm. I get the impression he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Really? Yeah, okay, I see that. To be honest with you. <laughs> Whereas Penn Gillette, I think, is a lot more honest about it all. Not, well, not as pretentious about I, it, that's well, for sure. Penn Gillette yeah. calls him a great magician, yeah, well, which yeah. I don't know if I even agree with, but yeah. uh, I, I found that to be really interesting. Well, he says that he, Jonathan doesn't believe that he's as good as Penn believes he is. Mm. You know? I love the line that he said at the beginning of the doc, too. That was like one word to describe Jonathan. <laughs> is mentally ill two words? <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up. Is that Fucked two up. words? <laughs> but I love how everyone settles on crazy. Everybody just comes yeah. around to, yeah, yeah, he's just crazy. Yeah. He's out of his mind. <laughs> What'd you think of him, Adam? Not being a magic scholar. Not being a magic? What, are you a magic scholar? No, but <laughs> I definitely had a couple magic kits when I was a kid. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> Poor old Nico. <laughs> No, I liked him. I liked him a lot. I thought it was really funny and creative. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, um, in a way, I, I think I actually agree more with Pendulette in this uh, uh, conversation, because there is something about adding that personality to the magic show that makes it kind of a brilliant magic show in its own way. Mm-hmm. Not the same way that Pendulette would even do it. But, uh, yeah, there is something about that that sort of adds to my immersion and my suspension of disbelief for certain things that he that he does. You can certainly get swept up into it a lot easier than you would other stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And he's just a, a, a volcanic personality. Sure. So I can just, just watching him go is 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 its own thing. So yeah. it's like double layered in that way. I really I really enjoyed him. Yeah. 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 He's like a wrecking ball. Yeah. As a performer, mm-hmm. like he's uh, all over the place, <laughs> and there's so much blood and guts. <laughs> Drinking the baby. Well, <laughs> what's also interesting. <laughs> what's interesting about a personality like this is these types of people you often see shine bright and die early. Yeah, and in many ways, this guy was one who was literally predicted to die early, and mm-hmm. yet stayed going mm-hmm. right. for as long as he did, which is actually really fascinating in and of itself. Right. He was in 2014, I think, diagnosed with one year left to live. It is now 2022, and he just passed away right. last week. Right. I mean, made another eight years. Eight Pretty years. Good. Yeah, it was good. Pretty good. Uh, so. <laughs> I guess uh, the story here. Well, Nick, do you want to just you want to explain what happened with these these two docs? There's no real way to to talk about these separately. They they are of a piece in in some way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the first one was made essentially right as he got his diagnosis, and it was sort of about that. It uh-huh. was about how he had to retire 
from his shows and um, step away and kind of just he didn't want to I don't think he wanted to die on stage. He didn't want to die on tour and he knew he had a year left. He expected his condition to deteriorate over the next year. And so this 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 film was, I think, for him, his sort of I, I need to document everything I've done mm-hmm. yeah. up until this point. And, and, and there was a, a, an actual like press conference that he held, I think, yeah. in Vegas, where he described that he can no longer stand up. He doesn't really have full control of his limbs. He might pass out at any moment when he's on stage. Like, it's just not right. feasible. And it's like this big, like, tear filled, uh, you know, show. And because it's Jonathan, you assume that this is some sort of elaborate ruse that when he says that he's sick, it's a joke, you know. You know what, though? I, I want to push back on that a little bit because, and I know we're going to talk about it more in the second doc, but the, the idea that this would be a prank that he would pull, I yeah. don't know if that's his his humor is always to make light of things in a very explosive way the idea that he would do a multi-year prank on something so dark Mm. it just seems like the opposite of his style completely i actually kind of agree with that because when they were getting into it i was like i i from what you were showing me i found this very confusing he didn't strike me as an andy kaufman type at all really right who would go to those extremes he's not he's He's not he's very open yeah 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 exactly yeah, and he's also like a he's a carny act. I mean, when yeah, you're in a magician, right. like you're not, you know, you're just you're just an entertainer. It's like it's just you just do silly humor that's very explicit and obvious. Like Kaufman is often doing like very meta stuff and anti-comedy and mm. stuff where it's like I'm not really sure if there's a joke here. I don't think there's any mistake or mistaking if Jonathan is telling or not telling a joke like I think it's always very clear yeah. like right he's got, exactly he's, he's got a, a a clown in a box that's you know in a jack in a box or whatever and he ends up hanging himself <laughs> like what? all of that humor is very obviously joking you know right but the it, idea that he would be lying about his death for multiple years is like some Banksy-esque sort of yeah sure it's, it's just not him and he's not that kind of performer too like he's also just kind of a crazy nut but he's yeah. not that crazy is the thing. He's not yeah. so crazy where he would go and do something like that. Everything he does is, a, is you know, I mean, very considered. But, you know, it's no it's, it's very obvious that it's considered. Uh-huh. But I also thought it was interesting that, you know, in the fact that those questions were getting asked, it does show what comedy can do to people, to yeah. the audience, which I found very interesting. Right. And how the line between, you know, what's a joke and what's reality is is often quite troubling, depending on who the, the performer is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the problem is they don't want to accept the fact that he's actually dying. Well, when they were showing clips of other performance, performers who were dying, who died on stage, and everyone's cracking up that this guy literally is dying in front of them. That was an insane clip. I was like, I'd never Whoa. seen that clip before. <laughs> I didn't know the guy's name, but it's apparently this big urban legend. Of, or not, I mean, it's on camera, so it's not a legend. But he dropped dead, and he was like grasping the curtains behind him, and people thought it was part of the, the gag. Yep. Really a yeah. sad state of affairs. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is crazy. <laughs> Long story short, though, this first documentary is about him retiring and um, you know, him and his his wife and how they're dealing with all of this. The second one picks up years later. He's still kicking. Yeah, and that's sure. kind of where we start off. Is you know he's getting bored, and he's saying, "I'm doing better. I can walk now. I can you know I'm not perfect, but I want to get back out there. I want to do something because he's like I, I don't want to just sit here waiting to die." Sure. And so we start out watching him get on stage and he gets back into it. And um, first off, I mean, I don't know if you guys, it, not even close to like the old him. 
really. I mean, it's, no. to be honest with you, it was it was a little sad. It wasn't you could tell he wasn't as good. And I mean, part of that was literally his physical movements. He could not do the same things. And some of it was just, you know, taking three years off, getting older. He lost his step a little bit. But yeah, but even Penn was talking about that, though, where it's like, mm-hmm. who the fuck cares? It's like it's better than just like laying in bed and dying alone. I agree. You know? I agree. I agree 100. I don't want him to like just do nothing. I, I'm glad he got back out there. But you but there was a visible difference. There's sure. my point. There's certainly something to say about it, especially if yeah. you look at it next to the other documentary, because my first thought when they were showing some of his uh, revival shows in that first documentary was like, oh, these shows are definitely nowhere near as good as they're as as they used to be, and they're deliberately cutting away to to you know not tip that off. Yeah. And then this next mo- movie said, no, yeah, he's he's not doing quite as well, guys, and it's at least worth addressing. I mean, that's how I kind of felt when Don Rickles was doing his last like sets on the Tonight Show. Like he would go on Jimmy Fallon, and he was ninety four or ninety five, yeah. mm. but it's like. You know, you could tell Jimmy was sort of helping him along and like, you know, setting him up for certain punchlines. And they definitely cut around some stuff, too, where it's like there were moments where it wasn't as tight. And Jimmy sort of knew where to, you know, end the conversation so they could cut around it. And I don't know. I'd rather have Don Rickles on The Tonight Show still. Like, I'd rather still see that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only bringing it up because I'm only bringing it up because it's, it's relevant. Yeah, the the you know. final Don Rickles performance ever. It's with I think Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. They did a, I think it was AARP had a YouTube series called like Hanging Out with Don. Oh, and they go to dinner together. Yeah, and they, yeah. he just gets dinner. And Don Rickles, <laughs> this is very mean to say, but like he is on death's door during this entire series. Yeah, like he's just sort of sitting there like, uh, what's your name again? Like he's like. He's in a daze, and they're just fucking wheeling him out with De Niro and and Marty, and he says, like, one joke every five minutes, but, like, again, I'd much rather have this than nothing, Yeah, you know? 100%, yeah. I I haven't seen Gene Hackman in 20 years. (laughs) Like, I'd rather have Gene Hackman in a wheelchair in a movie somehow than not seeing him at all. There is a point, though. I I don't know. I didn't need to see... Kirk Douglas get wheeled out on stage man I didn't I didn't need to I see guess that. yeah but Kirk Douglas was like 115 yeah but that's my point though where do we make this cutoff here it's like yes exactly maybe at 102 years old we stop fucking wheeling him out there <laughs> man Rickles they just kept on just milking every last drop yeah, out of him yeah, 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 I know. oh poor Rickles what network is this for again like no <laughs> idea Without without explicitly saying, though, that his performances were not as good as they used to be in this documentary, because they don't ever explicitly say that, they show him telling a joke, and then they literally cut to the old footage of him telling the exact same joke, and it is just like a stark contrast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? Very clever. Um, and obviously, the audiences are super happy. They are applauding. They are excited to see him, and, and absolutely, I'm excited to see him on stage at this point again. Like... But but there is a stark difference. You can tell this thing has taken its toll on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, true. But quickly, the the second documentary pivots into um, Jonathan telling the documentary maker, "Oh yeah, we got a we got a second documentary crew in. These guys, they're Academy Award winners. They made uh, <laughs> what is what was that? Um, man, man on man wire. on a wire and Sugar Man, uh, Sugar Man. <laughs> yeah, searching for Sugar Man. Good one. Yeah." 
And uh, the guy's like, what do you mean there's a second documentary crew with you? We got another crew. With they're coming in to film a show, and they're like, where are we going to film? They're like, well, they already booked that spot. We only have one location to film from. It's well, like, the-, the logistics of this are, I mean, we've all been behind a camera, yeah, the yeah. three of us. The yeah. logistics of this is a fucking nightmare. It is a nightmare. <laughs> For a number of fascinating reasons, but... One of the most real moments is just when Ben is being informed of it for the first time and you just get the, yeah, so the second documentary crew is going to meet you there. What? <laughs> yeah, and then huh? title card, the second documentary. the funniest shit. That was the best. And then another 10 or 20 minutes into the film, it pops up and uh and So wait, Jonathan wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I just I want to I want to play this bit out. I, okay. Oh, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> because this, he tells him again. Oh yeah. The, well, don't forget the third documentary yeah. <laughs> title card. The third documentary. And he goes. And then going later, later, whatever. Another twenty minutes. And he goes. Oh, well, also don't forget about Nikki. <laughs> Who's Nikki? The fourth documentary. <laughs> that was the like, best best laugh in the documentary. Oh, that was the so fact funny. that like. Jonathan is just telling our first documentary guy about all of these other documentaries that are happen- happen to be going on at the same time. Yes. Mm. So, that quickly yeah. pivots to the sto- what the story is about. Right. So we should mention the, the amazing <laughs> Jonathan documentary directed by our guy Ben was the first. Well, oh, actually, that's not true. It was the first of these two documentaries to begin production. It was the, the first it, of the main two that were correct. the focus of this. Right. Mm, okay. It started a year prior. Then Steve Byrne, I guess, contacts Jonathan and says, hey, Jonathan, I heard about your illness and I heard about the fact that you want to hit the road again. Let's make a documentary about this. And Jonathan, without saying anything, goes, sure, great idea. <laughs> he then flies this crew out to one of uh, his live shows as Ben Berman is is filming his documentary and then you see the first confrontation on screen. So you you are watching you know, Ben document what Steve Byrne is doing. So when I saw this happening and, and they do like a lot of stylistic things where they blur Steve Byrne's face out and like they, you know, because I think he says on camera at one point, I don't want to be in your documentary um, you know, there's this whole like investigation, undercover investigation into who this guy is and what his connections are to Man on Wire and searching for Sugar Man. And when I watched this for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is all fake. This I is just the same thing. total mockumentary. Not the case. Mm-hmm. I will read for you now, gentlemen. Steve Burns comment on the amazing, always amazing YouTube video in which he explains the whole situation. I'll paraphrase a little bit because it's very fucking long. My name is my name is Steve Bird. I'm the director of Always Amazing. I met the amazing Jonathan and his road manager, Joel Osborne, in 2000. It was the first time I ever featured for another comic on the road, and a friendship developed among us. I was privy to Jonathan and this incredible, loving, hilarious dynamic between he and Joel. When Jonathan was given the terminal diagnosis and retired, I was incredibly hurt to hear of it, but when he outlived expectations and made an announcement he was returning to stage, I, as a fan and friend, wanted to do a doc and cover it. I reached out to him, and he said, let's do it. Uh, And then he says that he would like to explain all the misconceptions. Uh, when uh, AJ was uh, Amazing Jonathan was making a return to stage I was writing material for a documentary for Lightbox Lightbox is the production company behind Searching for Sugar Man 
and Man on Wire. Uh, the documentary was called China Hustle. While there, I ran my vision by them per Jonathan's return to stage, and I had a two-plus-hour meeting with Mr. Chin, the producer featured at the end of this movie. Intrigued, he lent me my crew equipment to film my first interview with Jonathan, which is also acknowledged at the end of Amazing Jonathan documentary. All this stuff that I thought was fake apparently actually happened. Uh, before I could compile uh, compile a sizzle reel for Mr. Chin and Lightbox, <laughs> I was told he wouldn't have the bandwidth to continue and wished us well on our film. In short, I worked with Lightbox for a matter of weeks, a few weeks. Once I was told of this, I immediately communicated this information to Jonathan. I also let him know one of the freelance producers at Lightbox did enjoy our vision and jumped aboard with us to help us out. It was also around this time I was surprised to learn that another documentary was being made about Jonathan. I was incredibly uncomfortable and shocked. When I learned about this, I immediately asked Jonathan if I could communicate with this other film crew to clear the air, learn of each other's narrative, and see if it was feasible to continue on. I got the phone number of the other filmmaker and had a respectful conversation. We learned that our narratives were completely different. I was... No kidding. I was focusing on uh, AJ and Joel's relationship, and he was doing more of a cinema verite piece on Jonathan, if you want to call it that. And I felt comfortable from that conversation that we could both forge on and make our respective films. Seeing that we were both covering AJ's return to stage, I suggested meeting up in Boston before the shows to work out uh, respectful working logistics. Uh, after taking a red eye flight from LA to Boston, I was bleary eyed and gathering our gear on a bus to a car rental center with AJ and the other film crew. The other filmmaker began to film me on the bus without even saying hello. This was my introduction to him. I asked him, please not film me. He goes on and on, essentially talking about this clash, uh, you know, explaining that in fact, he did have a working relationship with the, the people behind Man on Wire and Searching for Sugar Man, although it seems like he was sort of being misleading about that. Mm. Uh, I, I think he was probably selling himself up a little more oh, yeah. than he should have. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And Jonathan did not fully understand this. He right. read words like Academy Award winning and just like that stuck in his head. Right. Uh, was, you know, complaining about... Uh, how uh, the guy Ben was being dishonest at the Vancouver Film Festival or Comedy Festival and recorded him with a hidden camera and all you know all the dishonest <laughs> tactics that he used. But point being, Steve Byrne, square of the fucking year, okay? It's square of the Millennium Award for Mr. Steve <laughs> Byrne here. Can you fucking lighten up? Oh, yeah. Can you relax? I mean, like, th- this is such a great opportunity when you have two film crews working on... The same subject at the same time without anyone's knowledge. How could you help but film the other film crew? Like, he, of course you want to work that into the doc. He's not a documentarian, though. That's the not thing. A real, he's not, not a real documentarian. Yeah. Ben is. And that's the that's the key difference here. And, and you know, Steve Byrne, obviously, I think is more used to being on the stage where he can control the situation. Yeah. Right. And documentaries, you don't control the situation. You really don't. You shouldn't. Yes. Yeah, but also like you're a comic. Like it, it is a very unpredictable art form. Have you so, seen like, him? No. Stand up. I, well, okay, he, I've seen him like on podcast kind of comic. Stuff. No, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's yeah. a very. I, I like the word square. He's a square comic. <laughs> Straightforward. Like yeah, it's very very, very much like setup punchline laughter next setup punchline. Like he's funny. I like him, but uh-huh. yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, he's not he's not <laughs> he's not pushing the boundaries of comedy, that's for sure. No. no. <laughs> Grinded my gears this guy. First comes in is misleading about like the film crews that he's worked with, that he's like a, an Academy Award winning director, that his crew is an Academy Accord Accord winning uh, award. What is his first crew. movie ever? And, right. It, it, it's a piece of junk. It's a YouTube doc with like that's poorly filmed and poorly lit and like it's whatever. Like it's about an interesting subject, but uh, chill the fuck out, Steve Byrne. Our conflicting a, visions. You got a problem with the Korean Asians over there, Nico? Is that what this is? <laughs> Is he Korean Asian? He's Korean Asian. Yes. <laughs> or no, no, no. Korean. No, that's the, kind of the same thing. Korean and Irish. Korean and Irish. Oh, that's yeah, Korean the Asian. Yeah, I think the same thing. It's a bit redundant. A little redundant. He's <laughs> Korean. I, he did a whole bit where he was trying to explain what he was, and he made a comparison. It's like he he compared himself to Tiger Woods and Keanu Reeves uh. in the island of half Asia. That's how he put it. <laughs> I'm from the island of half Asia. It's just me and Tiger Woods and uh, Keanu Reeves just chilling out on the beach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Watch the amazing Jonathan document. It, like, I'm sure he watched the other movie. Yeah. I don't well, here's dislike the, the other movie though. It's it's good. No, it's a good like Talking Heads kind of video. Like I like it, but it kind of only shows Jonathan in a glowing light. I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, which is fine. But like, here's the thing, and here's the key to understanding Jonathan. All right, the guy's a fucking meth head. <laughs> he does meth on a daily basis. Like we watch he's a him. drug addict. He we is- watch. He's a lunatic. He's not a trustworthy person, and he's not somebody that you should only show in a glowing light. He does fucking meth. Yes. He's a millionaire who does meth on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. The guy is <laughs> needs help. The guy yes. needs help. Yes. And the second movie, I think, illustrates this a lot better. Well, the second movie's way better. It's just way yeah. better in every way. <laughs> where where but, the second guy goes wrong is he he starts to, and for, frankly, he I started questioning, is Jonathan's diagnosis real or another prank and for about a couple minutes there he had me questioning it as well Mm. but the reality is like what's the realistic scenario here is it that he is um you know he's lying and setting up this big elaborate magic prank or that he's a fucking meth head (laughs) and he's telling you false information because he's on drugs like obviously one of those is the right answer that's kind of the whole trick of the movie though i I think ben berman has described the amazing jonathan documentary as a magic trick but i think the trick kind of is you believe it's a lie and actually it's truthful whereas magic is you believe it's truth but it's actually a lie you know it's kind of a magic trick in reverse where you assume you're watching a mockumentary when really everything happening is 100 percent real Mm mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then it has this this reveal at the end, which is also totally real. I mean, of course, there are certain elements that are sort of staged and overwritten. And the music it, is a big thing like that. And it's exaggerated. Kind of, Obviously, yeah. there are cutaways where Ben Berman, like, you know, films himself in his house. And like there's there's maggots in his sink and no one's picked up the dog poop on the yard. And like it, like there's definitely like certain moments and vignettes in there that are that are for comedic effect because he's a comedy director first and foremost but uh for the most part this is just like an honest account of what happened right (laughs) and that's sort of the brilliant thing of it all and it does i think this is the more fascinating part of it it gets at this idea that every documentary as you said nick is basically the same you know, it's like when something interesting happens, everyone flocks to that event like a bunch of vultures 
Uh, you know, there were there are two Tiger King miniseries currently in development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, put it that way. Anytime anything remotely interesting happens, there's a mad dash to cover it. Um, and they all end up telling the same story. And this one sort of plays around with the idea that everyone's trying to tell the same story at the same time. And um, it's cool. Right. And they're all they're all there because Jonathan is coming back and he should have been dead. And uh, mm-hmm. that's essentially like the story everyone wants to tell. Mm-hmm. But and, this isn't real. Like you said, though, this isn't really a documentary about Jonathan. It ends up not being stand out. Yeah, because and to a degree, it's 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 Jonathan's. I, I think it's Jonathan's fault to a degree. Um, also, maybe the director here being a little bit of a sissy, I think, and like getting all pissy about oh, other people filming my movie. Like he kind yeah. of he yeah. kind of let it get to him a little too much. It's kind of what makes it so interesting to me. Yeah, though. for yeah. me personally, hundred yeah. percent. Because I mean, I've seen so many documentaries uh, uh, and talk with professors about this shit and they're always like you stay completely objective and you don't involve yourself in 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 the in you know the life of your subject and stuff like that and i've always thought that didn't make any sense Mm because like how can you not how does how does your very presence in this matter not affect the the very subject you're covering the second you put a camera in the in the room you've changed the the room changes changed the reality of the room it's Mm -hmm. not it's not quite real anymore and this movie is actually far from it yeah not quite oh my god yeah yeah. it's drastically different (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and this is a movie that kind of covers what happens when you do that in a funny way like i don't think it it intended to do that but it is more for me anyway an interesting deconstruction of documentaries and sort of that process Mm -hmm. that's what i liked about it so much well, and he lets Jonathan essentially get under his skin every yeah. time there's a new documentary in the works about him. He lets it get under his skin to the point that it actually drives him to accuse Jonathan of lying about his fucking diagnosis. <laughs> and in about 30 seconds, Jonathan rips him to shreds to the point that you realize, like, wow, what an idiot for yeah. even think like and the thing is you buy into it with him he sets you up for like five or ten minutes to like buy into maybe this is all a lie and in 30 seconds you and the director of this film are ripped to shreds brought down to your base and you're like i can't believe you even just asked me that what a fucking moron you are literally thinking, says fucking idiot yeah it's great yeah <laughs> and it's it's amazing how quick that turn happens where you're just like oh shit why would why would anyone believe that of course uh-huh. this is real yeah it's yeah. it's it's i think that's one of the most fascinating parts is that just well, that's that what one. I was thinking the whole time, too. It's like, oh, this this is just so obviously staged. And also, you know, I, I don't I don't think I put two and two together at the time that the people working on this were just like a stand up comic and his buddies. It wasn't like an actual Oscar winning film crew. I'm like, there's no way this searching for Sugar Man people wanted to make a documentary about this guy. Um, yeah, but it is it, it for the most part actually happened now. As I said before, there are moments that are meant to sort of be comedic gags that are poking fun at the documentary structure. And those are among my favorite yeah, me too. points in the movie. Like when <laughs> when Ben Berman decides that the movie is now about him and he does the stereotypical like I'm going to you know sit at the edge of my bedside and that was great. Uh, I'm going to read the, the, the letter that my mom wrote me. <laughs> And then, you know, flashback to all the home videos. It's funny, too, because prior to this, he was always behind the camera. But as soon as he makes the switch, it's like he hires another cameraman to film him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he realizes he's like, well, it's about me now. (laughs) But it is hilarious. 
looking so at the old photos. The the home video montage. He just cuts yeah. together all the moments that you would normally cut out of your home video montage. Mm. So like <laughs> him dropping the camera by mistake, his That's father crazy. yelling at him, like Ben, put the camera down. Like all this <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Just relatives yelling at each other. Just all the most unpleasant home videos have been cut together in a super cut. That was good stuff. I, um, I also really love that he decides, based on an offhand comment that Jonathan makes, he decides that he's going to try crystal meth to convince Jonathan to do meth on camera. Well, no, at the beginning of the movie... Ben asks him offhandedly, so how do you smoke crystal meth? Because he didn't know. He had never smoked meth before. Right. And Jonathan goes, well, I could tell you or I could show you, much like Robin Williams on Inside the Actor <laughs> Studio when they're like, how do you improvise? He's like, oh, I'll show you with this scarf. He's like, I'll show you with this fucking crack pipe. And he, <laughs> and he reaches under his bed and just lights up and just starts smoking crystal meth. <laughs> but but Jonathan tells me says like I don't want you filming me smoking meth and he goes right. well why not and he goes you know what fine you smoke with me and you yeah. can show it yeah. and so we go on this like five minute journey where where um he's like calling up lawyers and he's like can I smoke meth on camera is that <laughs> <laughs> and like he's he's going through this journey he's asking Eric Andre and Eric Andre's like yeah I think you should smoke the meth man <laughs> I love <that>. definitely <laughs> If I were you, if I were in your shoes, I would smoke the meth. I love seeing because they do this thing where they cut to a bunch of comedians and you see their reactions, but they cut out Ben's uh, dialogue. So you just see their raw the like, face. what the f- yeah, what carrot are you top, talking like, about? Excuse me? I love Carrot Top. He's like, Weird what? Al. That was great. Weird, Weird Al's Al's like, I wouldn't do it, but you know, it's your life, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. You do what you got to do. Oh, man. That, was fun. that whole five minutes was great. God. And then I guess he does it. Yeah. You know, so weirdly, they put a black box over it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I, guess I heard a weird thing happen. about Weird Al the other day. This has nothing to do with Jonathan or anything. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, it's just Weird Al was uh, saying like he the way the day he realized he made it and he was actually successful was when he went to some party and he heard some guy go, oh, my God, Weird Al is here. And he turned and it was Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah that'd do it <laughs> that'd do it <laughs> yeah just that was really i just read that in an article the other day i was like that's fucking hilarious that is great wow what's he up to uh, these days weird al, weird al? yeah I don't know. still uh like i don't know parodying Ariana Grande songs or something. We're due to do his film Ultra High Frequency, but yeah, we, UHF. I yeah, I don't know why we haven't, we done, haven't that done it yet? That's, yeah. that's a major cult classic. Yeah, next week, maybe. Trans- not a documentary, but maybe it's a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> depends on how you look at it. Let's see <laughs> it the last Weird Al album. He's still doing stuff, right? Is he though? Like, I feel like I haven't heard a Weird Al song since like. 2000 last i saw him he was on hot ones so that's true Uh, he was on hot ones weird al last album he put out was in 2014 jeez it was called mandatory fun let's see some of the songs that he that he took a shot at here uh list 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 track list uh handy which is a parody of the Iggy Azalea song Fancy. Okay. Uh, 
Foil, which is a parody of the Royal? Lord song Royals. Yeah, okay. Uh, I actually think I remember that one, actually, yeah. He's like, aluminum foil. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, let's see if you can guess some of these guys. Uh, word crimes. And, uh, blurred lines. Oh, blurred, blurred lines. 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 Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, How does he do it? <laughs> How a, does he do it? There's a song oh, called that Now That's What I Call Polka, which what? apparently is a medley of uh, a number of songs, including Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. Okay. Gangnam Style's in there. I don't, I don't know. know. What the uh, fuck? Okay. Uh, medley of those? That's very weird. Let's see. Inactive. Radioactive? Yes. Okay. Uh, tacky. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Happy by Pharrell. <laughs> Goddamn. Okay. How does he do it? Uh, All right, we're going back in time to the 2011 album. Lyrical genius. Here. This is a great bit. We should do this every week. I like this. Here. Uh, this one should be pretty easy. <laughs> Perform this way. No, born this way. Born this way, yeah. Uh, TMZ. This one's kind of tricky. Is it another acronym? No. You probably won't get this. Uh, I don't know. I've you belong with me by Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's see. Uh, party in the CIA. That should yeah. be obvious. Yeah. Uh, okay. Another tattoo. Something like you. It's Close. Uh, nothing on you, but B O B Bruno yeah. Mars. Uh. They got nothing on you, baby. Uh, yeah, that's basically it on that one. There's a lot of like <laughs> in the style of other artists. Weird Al, man. That guy's a gem. <laughs> that guy's a gem. <laughs> He's a gem. I like him. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, for what he is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It's just amazing to me that a guy like that got famous before YouTube. That's you true, know? yeah. Yeah. That a guy like that, there was somehow a market for a guy like that before YouTube existed. It, it's not that I don't see why he's popular. I just don't see how he sold albums. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like point, yeah. I can get people listening to him. I can't get people buying his music. That's what I find really bizarre. Well, there's the the concerts are the thing that blow me away. The thought of a like a crowd of people going <laughs> to these <laughs> to see, yeah, exactly, parody songs and like getting really pumped up to hear these songs. <laughs> that blows my mind. I remember as a kid, we had his song Yoda, which is Lola. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda. Y O D A Yoda. That's like what he used to do. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> oh, I had I had a friend in middle school. When whenever we went over his house, I remember there was like a group of like ten boys, and we crowded around his laptop, and he played Weird Al songs because he was uh, the only guy with like a Mac laptop. No one had a laptop at that age. You know, we were all like on our on our AOL desktops or whatever. And he, there he is with a laptop and on iTunes he had every Weird Al the album that he got from Napster or some shit. And we played that shit all and all we did was sit around and that, laugh. 
the stuff you could be doing on that laptop. <laughs> we had not been introduced to Playboy yet, apparently. There Playboy. was none of that. Yeah, like, it was just listening to the Weird Al tapes. Jesus. Oh, goodness. Good, stuff. good old how, days. How was your, uh, by the way, your, uh, your, your middle school birthday party you had yesterday? Oh, my middle school b- birthday party. Adam turned uh, 27. Oh, yesterday. now we're getting to it. Uh, <laughs> we promised we would. Yeah, yeah, I heard there were goodie bags and goodie bags, non-alcoholic drinks filled with army men and and bubblicious, and it was it was it was a great old great old time. <laughs> no. ring were they the army men with the little yeah. parachutes that you could drop down from the second oh, floor? Yeah, I jumped up stairs. on my. We went up to my roof actually, and we dropped them wow. off, and we tried to see how the wind would take them. Dude, it was those beautiful. things were chintzy as fuck. Yeah, dude. they were. Those things were. The worst. Go to the dentist's <laughs> office, you get a little army guy. I know uh, that was the best. Definitely not worth the root canal. <laughs> the root canal. Oh my god, not a good trade off at that age. Jeez. <laughs> Louise <laughs> horror stories. No, it was yeah, we great. Need to just rip out all the teeth. <laughs> just Gotta start fresh. <laughs> it's like a plumber that comes in and is like, "We gotta rip out the entire wing of this house." <laughs> <laughs> you got rusty ass, but I don't know who put this shit in here. <laughs> gonna cost you about sixty grand uh, plus labor. Oh, oh my god! I I was gonna say I went rock climbing. Uh, at, is... at a rock gym yeah <laughs> at a rock gym yeah and then after um... that and then after that <laughs> were there teenage mutant ninja turtle decorations around there no no this place is fucking legit bro it was did they have like a did they have like a private little room like laser quest where there's like just pizza and have you ever been to a cups? rock climbing gym guys <laughs> you're, yes. t- you're talking about it like there's there's that that stuff is there to do it's not there to do it's a rock climbing gym no i went to a rock climbing gym for yeah they a have a little birthday, birthday party room yeah. and they have like yeah. a kid's wall and right kids wall yeah <laughs> not a, no not really not as much at this place <laughs> yeah no this this is with like fucking like alex honnold dudes climbing up this shit and it was it's was pretty legit yeah I had a grand, cool. I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Did I'm, not realize they made those for adults. Yeah, they did. I, I, I apologize. You should see these fucking people. It's actually kind of scary, but I did. I did very well. I'm, I'm a very good uh, uh, rock climber, I guess. And then after that, we went and saw Jackass Forever. How was that? That is uh, fucking hilarious, and I highly recommend it. Lots of general <laughs> mutilation, as always, in that. <laughs> Lots of just destroying penises. Perhaps the worst of all of them, and no that's kidding. saying something. Yeah. Oh my the, god. I, I don't. I don't. The opening scene. I mean, I saw it with Abby, uh, and she'd never seen a Jackass movie before. Oh good. Oh great. And the opening scene is of a Godzilla monster that was formed out of Chris Pontius's uh, dick and balls, <laughs> and it is. I saw it, and I'm like, oh god, that's a scrotum. Oh god, that's a penis. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> and, they t- and then they take a then they take an, a little baby alligator snapping turtle and put it up into his dick and it bites. His dick. <laughs> oh just, my god! I'm just like, oh god, oh Jesus! <laughs> Why do these guys do this? I don't Why know. Do they do this? It's, uh, that's that's probably not even the worst thing that happens to male genitalia in that movie. I was gonna say, yeah, I might I might pass on this one. I don't know. Good thing you saw it on the big screen, though. You know, good <laughs> yeah. thing you saw every poor. I was with laughing. the Dolby sound. <laughs> I was laughing hysterically the whole every. It was a great theater experience where like everyone, like everyone's right. like gladly talking to each other during it. Sure, and it's just okay because you because that's just the type of movie that it is. The amount of like, oh my god, it like, might kind of be the. 
perfect theater movie. It really, in honestly, a weird way. It kind of was. I honestly thought thought it was wonderful. There's this one bit where, uh, so I think surprisingly, it's it's not like it's not like super bloody or like like you're not you're not in pain. <laughs> well, that's good. You're not. Well, there's there's some bad ones though. This is perhaps like the most painful that one that I saw. Um, but um, th- I think my favorite was this one where they um they put them in like a a, a room. And they say, we're going to have you deal with a rattlesnake. But then they shut the lights out. <laughs> and then they pretend to uh, knock over the bucket with the rattlesnake with the rattle going. But there's there's no actual snake in there. But instead, the entire time, Johnny Knoxville is just fucking with them in the dark. Uh. And it's just so funny. It's called The Silence of the Lambs. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville. This is The Silence of the Lambs. And they have these night vision goggles and they're just beating the shit out of them in the dark. <laughs> they open up a door and they're like, this is the escape door. And they have cast iron skillets hanging hanging everywhere and they just run right into the <laughs> cast iron skillets it's so fucking funny <laughs> you know it's kind of amazing to me those movies have went from what are considered the lowest of the low in terms of culture like it, it just this is the example of the decline of western civilization where now they're like critical darlings yeah like critics give it good reviews it's considered high art now in the world of tiktok you know because people it took a while for people to get it i think was the thing <laughs> to get it no there's yeah. nothing to fucking get they no, they got it they just didn't understand there's no it. high concepts <laughs> here they weren't sophisticated enough for jackass i mean legitimately the funniest movie. like you watch you don't it's laugh so, harder at anything it's so fucking fun even like at the worst shit though like with uh steve-o and the there's a bees thing yes not a fan of bee things oh my god that one's rough but like what, what what's the worst jackass stunt you've ever seen across all the movies and tv shows i think the worst yeah, the worst one like Jeez. the one that you would least like or maybe that least likely to do, but the one that gives you the the most goosebumps and chills. Uh, didn't they um, oh, have a? They had one of those like where you take a hammer and you hit the thing and it goes up, uh-huh. uh, like at a carnival. Yeah. Um, but they attached a dildo to it and went up like somebody's <laughs> ass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the worst one for me? What Jackass one? Paper cuts on the webbing of Ooh, your fingers. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awful. That was just like that's self- worse than any Ugh. of them. It, wait, like seriously, like you can blow somebody's dick off with a firework, <laughs> and it's not as bad as paper cuts of the webbing of your fingers and toes. No, it's and weird. inside the lip, they that, did that, that the inside of the lip. Yeah, that one's so bad. Well, you have to look yeah. away. Watching, watching, I think it was Skivo, just like fish hooks through his own. That one he, like, sucks. He fish hooked himself through his own he, gums. Even that one's not quite as bad. Not as bad as, as the, the paper, paper cut. But that one, no, is, it's not. But they, they, every they did it in this one too, though. When they fall into cacti yes mm. oh, they just they just fall fucking into cacti a, a yeah. bunch of fields of cacti and i'm just like no bro just no and it, it's, it's always they get the the big fat dude to do it and it's right. just it's hard <laughs> yeah i don't like that stuff oh jackass man jackass. the bear was good i did like the bear with aaron mcgee and he's just like i've never seen a man so scared it was really intense <laughs> jesus uh i highly recommend it awesome how was uh, uncharted nick god <laughs> I, was, I was messaging you i'm like you know like i know it's a video game movie but the suspension of disbelief required here 
is intense. It's, it's it, yeah, it was. Uh, At one God. scene, they have two 500 year old pirate ships both hanging from separate helicopters and they're like fighting each other <laughs> on these two moving around. ships. It's, it's just so like, fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, even for the Uncharted video games, mind you, they're not even I, that ridiculous. <laughs> he's free falling out of an airplane with no parachute and he catches onto a box that's falling. Like, no way. That does happen. <laughs> that does happen in Uncharted 3. So there is that. Yeah, but, but you're uh, dead. Yeah, you are. But it's it's different in a video game. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Of course. Uh, no, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. The, it was fine. Half the action sequences in the first half surround a, a, a bar. And I was just like, could you get away from this fucking bar, please? <laughs> Every other scene, Nathan Drake is like throwing cocktails around. It's like it's like have him going hunting for treasure, for God's sakes. I, yeah. Didn't they did like make a good half. decision. All right. Where yeah. in the games, Nathan Drake has a gun. He shoots a gun. <laughs> In, th- in these movies, the thing is, like, Tom Holland cannot hold a gun. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not right. really, yeah. He's not the man with the gun. He'll never be the man with the gun. It is a poorly cast film. He's the man with the web shooter. That's true. Yeah, well, he's like, he looks like a kid. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how jacked he is. He looks like a little kid. Yes. He does not look tough. And in this movie, they play into that instead of trying to make him be something he isn't. So while he's bad, while he's badly cast for the video game character, I think it worked out. I, I was talking about it with uh, Jabril, and it was like, you know, it, for what they're going for, it's not terrible. Uh, yeah, it was but fine. I, it was fine. I, I, yeah, I just thought, like, it would have worked tremendously better if you just go in the Indiana Jones route. Just start with Nathan Drake on, like, a little adventure of his own. You know, do, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's just going up to this tomb or whatever, and he's getting some weird treasure there, and he has to escape. Just do that, please. Because the first half of the movie is so fucking boring. It, God, it's, it's so it's, fucking boring. It's, it does not need to be a two-hour film, that's for sure. No. Yeah. But, <sighs> God, we've devolved, uh, yeah. huh? Yeah, uh, there there were a couple things that I wanted to bring up from that <laughs> first doc. Oh yeah, oh right, uh, Jonathan, right, Amazing yeah. Jonathan, that's right. Oh uh, yeah, the 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 mother, yeah, his mother, his Boston, his straight shooting Boston mother, who th- there's a quote that she says, he's been smoking a lot of pot, a lot of pot. Yeah. I, I love. She's a darling, isn't she? Yeah, she played. Is. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh, so the the Joel character. We haven't really talked about the Joel character at all. But yeah. that first documentary is really about the relationship between Jonathan and his like sidekick. Yeah, his, little, his like kid sidekick. Essentially, yes. the, the Robin to his Batman. Could you imagine being a, the amazing Jonathan's Robin? <laughs> uh, uh, the guy's name is Joel Osborne. Um, yep. And. I guess when he was a kid, like he was just like a creepy fanboy yeah, of Jonathan. Exactly. Like Jonathan tells this story of, you know, uh, he met Joel outside of one of his shows and like he let him come to, you know, the next show for free. And, you know, next thing he knows, he ends up going in the little kid's bedroom and sees posters of amazing Jonathan all over the place. It's and he's like, well, this is fucking, fucking creepy. Weird, but why don't you come on the road with me? <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like how you started podcasting with Rob. Kinda, mm. yeah. It's like it's, the same story. By the way, I wanted to ask how how old were you when you you met Rob, and how old was he? Well, Nico was eight, and Rob was forty two. Is that right? I think yeah. I was like seventeen. Ah, uh, and I remember well, Rob said to Nico, according mm. to the story, he said, "Nico, I you'd be welcome on my podcast, but for verification purposes, I need to see your penis." Ah, uh, <laughs> I need to inspect the penis. Right. Yeah, I think so. 17... Nico mailed him a he mailed him a printed photo of his yeah, penis. Sure. 
And Rob said, okay, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it went down. Is my no, well, I was, I've been listening to <laughs> Rob on, uh, in podcast form since 2008. Mm-hmm. So I was 13 when I started listening. Oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, we talked at first when we, when I was 17 and then we started doing that podcast and, uh, now I'm almost 30 and he's almost 40 and, uh, we're going to die soon. Oh, <laughs> we're not going to die, man. But, by the way, I had, that's the story. I guess <laughs> my birthday was, f- was great. By the way, I'm not going to hear you say, oh, uh, it's a shitty time to live. I had a good time. I had a great time, man. Yeah. I'm Ain't okay. no age like 27. I'm okay. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm down for this whole 27 thing. You're I happy with it? Yeah. I remember being 27. <laughs> good years. Good, the good times at 27. My first, my first hit of meth was when I was 27. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. With the amazing Jonathan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Listen. no, that's not possible. <laughs> I know, like, birthdays are arbitrary. And really, you should count your age based on days, not on years, because, mm. like... I'm what 26 and a half now like it's it's not going to be any worse on August 14th as opposed to August 15th I mean so like I guess that number shouldn't be too daunting to me but I stare at the age 27 and I coil (laughs) I fucking coil you know I don't know what the hell I'm doing man I I go in the fetal position I anything to push this day off why 27 I'm gonna do I want to take the drug that they take in the dread movie that just causes everything (laughs) to go in slow motion I need to do that to avoid getting not a bad idea 27 I don't like 25 was pretty bad 25 was the first time that I was like oh god now we're really getting into the nitty gritty here 27 though man that's the scariest age yet what are you gonna do when you turn 30 I don't know. I have no idea. What are you going to do when you turn 40 or 50 or 60? I think the 30s, I, like, I, I think nowadays, I think your 30s are kind of like the prime. I am not the 20s. So I think so many, so many people act like the 20s are your prime. You're still like, stupid no, until no. you're. You're still stupid in your 20s. I'm in my 20s. I'm stupid as hell. I hated 20s. There's a crap decade for the most part. (laughs) What? I've been looking forward to 30, man. I think you're you're insane. It doesn't mean it's going to get better. I think the trajectory is it keeps getting worse. No, I think traditionally people say your 30s rock. I think your 30s in today's world is when you're in your prime. That's when you got your shit together, uh-huh. but you're still young enough to do things. Speak for yourself, yeah. sir. Well, because because I didn't think it could get worse Speak after my teens. Yourself. I was I was like my my teenage years were fucking awful, but I was like, all right, maybe twenties will be better, and they were so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I was like, whoa, Personally. why do you think 30 is going to be better? I think like the trend here is pretty obvious. No, because the, the overwhelming majority of people are like, yeah, that's just 20, bro. Trust I disagree me. with all of this. I think that every year of my life has gotten only better and better with age. It, it's got for me, it's gotten better past 25. Like like my, the, the first my, five the years. The lowest my point of my life just, yeah. was when they told me I couldn't wear diapers anymore <laughs> and I had to get that's potty true. trained. That was the that's lowest point for yeah. me. And it's only gotten better since then. Everybody acts like, oh, when you're an adult, you got to pay taxes it's and all this. True. Like, you know, I, I can go to the store right now. Yeah, I can go buy a birthday cake. I can great. bring it home and I can eat it oh, with my hands. Overrated. But see, no, you can't because then your wife's going to be like, why are you eating a birthday cake right now? No, she'll want some you're too. You're a grown up. Have you tried it, Nico? 
Yeah, and I've gotten admonished by every like like that's the thing. Like fuck them. You have the freedom to just be like, okay, fuck you. Yeah, well, yeah so, that's the yeah. best part. Yeah, the freedom don't. to yeah, you do. Freedom yeah. is an illusion, guys. Oh, it's all oh a fucking God. illusion. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, I never had a bad year up until the age of eighteen. Didn't have a single bad year. Every year was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. There was not a single day of my life where I wasn't like, woo, I'm a kid. <laughs> there wasn't a single day. You're remembering with rose tinted glasses, no, my friend. I wasn't. Absolutely, I wasn't. It was great. Yeah. It was the best. I got Weird. to just ride my bike whenever I wanted. Teen and then suck, you met bro. Rob. Yeah, I know. Then, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and then you met that's Rob. That's threw it off. <laughs> that's what all went down. No. <laughs> everybody's like, oh, my angsty teen years. Like, I was so hormonal, I was questioning things. It's like, bitch, try 26. Don't give me this shit. I'm angsty at 16. I'm not angsty. Get the hell out of here. You're not angsty in your 20s. You're just depressed and miserable. I am much more confused now than I was then. It's not even close. I was like much more clear-minded. I knew what I wanted. I knew what made me happy. All of that. Like, it was so much more obvious then. You know, mm, I'd completely disagree. With I you, should but- be so lucky to be <laughs> as mature now as I was at 15. I wish <laughs> I'm 100% serious. You think I'm joking. You're I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah, I'm you, not joking. You, <laughs> you're a lunatic. It's just you are, insane You are to me. certainly the exception. Wait, like, not it's, the the co- it's literally the polar opposite that, of what you should be doing. I know. That's why I'm terrified <laughs> of what's coming. What are you talking about? Like, come on. <laughs> what, what do you think I'm so worried about? I'd love, I'd love to dig into where the, 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 the divergent path started with you. I don't know, man. That, that is kind of interesting. I, the, the second the, the clock turned 18 for me. I agree with you. This time period ain't good, but it's for different reasons. Man, the second yeah. I got the right to vote, forget it. Oh, you don't have to vote. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Stop voting. No, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Dude, I want to get a bike and just fucking ride a bike. Why don't you go play laser That's tag? the great part about being uh, 26, 27, Nico. You can go buy a bike. You know what your problem is? You're insecure. Obviously. I'm a grown up. Of course, so of course I'm insecure. Of course I'm insecure. I'm an adult in America. Of course I am. Nico, you ever been what sailing before? You? you ever been out in the water on a sailboat working that, that sail? Makes me so fucking nauseous. Hate it. You, no, but have you ever? I get so seasick. Have you ever controlled yes. the sailboat yes. yourself? Yes. It's well, I'm not well, by myself. That's but. what I'm saying. No, no, no. You have to do it yourself. No, with nobody I would else. die. No, you wouldn't. What do you mean by? Like, you don't. You go out on a lake. What's and your you point, Adam? It. What's your? What's it's your... great. It's okay, it's wonderful. But what does this have it's to just... do with anything? Great. You <laughs> like sailing? I'm talking about like. <laughs> What are you so, trying to get at? Thanks for the total non sequitur. I'm asshole. not. No, it would be nice. <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a great little bit of natural therapy. Guys, I, I highly this is an illusion. It. This idea that you're an adult, you can do whatever you want, is not actually freedom. Choices are binding. Choice is slavery, guys. <laughs> okay? The idea that you can that you can do whatever you want is a prison. <laughs> You know what's great? What? Not getting the choice and just waking up and being like, kid, you can play Pokemon or ride your bike. Pick one. It's so relaxed. Like, I don't have to contemplate like, oh, but I really should be doing this. What if I was doing more? What if I was spending my time doing something more productive? Mm. What if I was curing world hunger? What? Like, none of that. None of that when you're a kid because you can't. You're hopeless. You're a fucking kid. What if you don't have that exact? Uh, exact anxiety you're, you just described. <laughs> I don't have that anxiety. I, listen, I, and, and I envy you, sir. I envy you. But this is all I do all day. Uh, 
When I was a kid, the best, dude. Just get up one day, say I'm going to go kayaking. Just listen to some weird Al. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think you need to try crystal meth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. I think that'll solve some of your problems here. You should have talked to the amazing Jonathan when you had the chance. Yeah. Uh, I think Jonathan had this no, all figured out. Nico should have made the documentary on amazing Jonathan. I know. <laughs> if only I pursued my career in magic. Another thing that age 12 that I should have just followed. Well, no. That, well, no let's that, think about this. Jonathan moved out. If only I out. had the wisdom. Jonathan moved out yeah. and just started performing street magic for money. Uh-huh. Mm. I respect that so much. Yeah. What a fucking lunatic. Yeah. But that's really like that is the best school you can go to is the school of fucking starve or succeed. You know? Yeah. It's amazing that he sucks at magic still. <laughs> you didn't need to be a magician, dude. <laughs> I'm not sure that would have been helpful. I don't know. I don't know what your problem is, man. It, life is good. Life is good. You're crazy. I just love Nick's comments. They're just the best. I don't know what your problem is, bro. <laughs> I don't know I'm either, really, but I'm not really interested in exploring your problems either. Uh, what, okay, so uh, fucking um, Joel. Joel, yeah, what about him? Love this relationship. Loved when like his his father died and he he could only draw stick men. Oh, that was and Jonathan funny. thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> that is funny. Though. He was such a he was Picasso, and now all he can do is draw stick men. Actually, let's talk about this first documentary again, because um, I, I mentioned earlier that I had actually seen it before yeah. and I couldn't remember. But as soon as I started watching it, I was like, I feel like I watched this the last time Jonathan died <laughs> because <laughs> all I remembered ah. about the documentary was that it ended on this really somber note of like he's got like a year left to live or whatever. Right. And then I hadn't thought about Jonathan again for another six years. Right. Ah, I so I legitimately was like, wait a minute. Didn't Jonathan already die? <laughs> like, how well, did he I die think, twice? Didn't, didn't Penn say that? Like the first time he heard Jonathan was going to die, he didn't believe it. Second time, still didn't believe it. Third time, he got sad. Like, and by the seventh time, he was over it. He's yeah. just like, I've done all my mourning. I've gotten all the mourning out of the way. Yeah. Uh, There's almost would, something worse about having lived, like when everybody's expecting you to have died. It's yeah. it's it's just weird. On a much smaller scale, I felt the same way about Brady's retirement. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Where yeah. it's like the entire time, like we were we were eulogizing Brady while his career was still going on. Like once he left the Patriots, it's like, man, he's so fucking old. Like when he retires one day, when he retires one day, here's his legacy. And we've done all this talking, you know, about him in the past tense that by the time he actually retired, it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, can we just get it over with? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. part of it. Yeah. So. Just a lot and, of talking about you as if you had already sure. gone. It, yeah. In a lot of ways, like the end of Jonathan's career was more about the idea of his impending doom than mm. the actual death itself. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's got to be stressful. Can we talk about that suicide story in Vegas real quick? Because that was like harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> that was nuts. So mm-hmm. there was a moment where he his, his wife left him. Mm. And Jonathan essentially got very high and threatened to kill himself. And like the cops had to be called on him. And he somehow convinced the cops not to arrest him because they recognized him as Amazing Jonathan. And he said a joke about, like, 
like, like, oh, man, if I was really magic, I could get out of these handcuffs. And they were like, ha, 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 well, here you go. Here's the key. And they just let him go. <laughs> and Joel, who ended up calling the police on him, uh, was the subject of one of Jonathan's pranks when he got back to the hotel room. Uh, and Jonathan was laying there covered in blood. <laughs> fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Pretty if I would have been up. so gracious. That was uh, Here's the that thing. was a great like, story. Yeah, the thing about his wife too, like she fell in love with him, and she's like, well, "Why did you tell me you were a meth head when we first started going out? Because now I'm in love with you, and we're married, and you still do meth every single day." <laughs> right. <Then she> <laughs> it's like I feel like to to know this guy on a personal level is to just like be abused by him. Yes, he's not you know? a piece of shit though. Like he's no, he he's seems a nice. Like a, Guy, but like, guy, but he's just doesn't mean he doesn't treat you awfully. He's a handful, you know. You know, <laughs> it's a fair, you know, hit of speed every once in a while, you know. Yeah, but isn't that every addict though? Every addict means well. Every addict's like, oh, like he's really nice when he's sober or whatever. But like, because they're an addict, they do horrible things to people. Right. Mm. That is the nature of addiction: is that it's going to end up hurting the people around you in some way. He's a far cry from the worst addict I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's I, I would have been fine with him. I would have just been saying, like, would you get your shit together? Right. But he wouldn't like he, he put it this way. He doesn't seem like he's ruining anybody's lives. A lot of addicts that I, I knew would like like destroy the people around them. And he didn't quite do that. The only thing it, he would do is just make his wife very sad. Yeah. I mean, it, she it, was crying on yeah. camera. Yeah. It was interesting where she she literally mentions at one point, she goes, why didn't you tell me you were an addict when we first started dating and I would walked out? She goes, now I'm in love with you and now I'm fucked. Right. And then he yeah. yells from the bathroom. He goes, what do you mean you're fucked? <laughs> he goes, you don't have to work. You have all this money. So what's the problem? <laughs> and she literally just goes like, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Because I think a part of her is like, yeah, I do live in a mansion in Vegas and I have lots of money and I don't have to work. Mm. But at the same time, like, I'm really sad. <laughs> Because that shit doesn't matter. Yeah, none right. of it matters. <laughs> but what, what what's your guys' take on the uh, the the drug use for creativity mantra? I like Pendulette's view on it, which is, you know, he thinks that he couldn't have been successful. He associated the success with the drugs, and he says, "But I think he could have been twice as successful without them." Yes, having been around a lot of people who have done drugs creative creatively, having been someone who has done drugs creatively, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, not very useful, bro. Yeah. I've I've always believed exactly what Pendulet says. It's like have you tried like really getting down to the nitty-gritty of this like clear-minded? It's beautiful. Yes. And have you read the shit that you did last night when you were hopped up out of your mind? It sucks. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've written this great idea for a story because I was stoned and mm -hmm. then looked at it literally the next day before I had to go to class. I'm like Ugh! Right. Get that out of here. Yeah. What the hell was I thinking? It more lowers your standards <laughs> yep. than raises them. You know? And I don't need my self esteem destroyed like that. You know, it's like it doesn't yeah. help at all. No. Yeah, it's not talk about the, yeah. the Hemingway approach of like write drunk, edit sober. Yeah. Sure. You know, but also that guy blew his brains out with a shotgun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What good you know? are you if you if you can't make art past fifty because you're dead? Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. So. No, I, it's I, I'm not a drug user. I haven't done any of this shit, but yeah, from the people that I've surrounded myself with, uh, certainly doesn't seem that helpful. No. no. Yeah. It, I, I, I think, think some people swear by, I mean, some like of the greatest artists of all time swear by drug use. But. Well, I think lowering your inhibition and lowering your, your own self-judgment 
maybe is a shortcut to coming up with creative ideas. There is right? some evidence that, right, like alcohol does sort of spur creativity just because it lowers the filter. So Yeah, like, right. Like, it it right. shuts it down your you ability to, to shut yourself down. Right, talk it about freely. You, yeah. Uh, but, you know... That's also something if, that you if that's probably... just a sh- if that's just a shortcut to getting success earlier, it's also uh, could... a way to end your life earlier. <laughs> and you could probably train yourself to put those walls down without having to worry about the alcohol. Well, that's Absolutely. the work. Yes. Yeah, I mean that that is being creative. Yes, exactly. That's what you have to train yourself to do. But like creativity is not this thing that just flows out of you. It's something that you have to work at. Like it's yes it... and no. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But it is there's a craft to it. Like there and there is a, a ritualistic thing uh, you know associated with any craft creative or not and Mm -hmm. uh there are some people that are just they just do it and it's 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 amazing sure and they just don't care and that's big but the question is though could they be better if they approached it with a more workman ethic that's the question depends you know i think in most cases the answer is probably yes i mean maybe there are a few examples where it's not i have my brother's actually a funny example of the opposite of what you're talking about where he's actually a really great poet but if you ask him to just like really work at it it sucks like he's not very good at like getting disciplined about it but when he's just like well artists aren't disciplined yeah but when he's just like i just feel like writing and then he writes a poem and i read i'm like dude this is really fucking good it's like oh it is okay fun you can keep it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. it's a it's a quality of creative people is that they don't have that that part of their brain is just shut yeah. off. They just have none of that. Um but if they could though, the question is if you could and if you could if you could accomplish that state of zen without help. But without then the does it, you then you also have to ask the question does it make them worse? Sometimes it might make them worse. Who knows? I don't know. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But then I think the other thing with the drugs is interesting because, like, I, I'm sure there are instances where the drugs led them to something amazing, and then they just thought, okay, if it can lead me to this point again, then I'm always going to do it. Right. You know, I'm sure there was a, a moment or two where Amazing Jonathan did something really fucking awesome because he was stoned out of his mind, mm-hmm. and maybe he thought, okay, yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. That's proof, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so Nico, why don't you just give the drugs a try? Come on, indulge us, indulge Nick and I. All right, try <laughs> the meth. Smoke, I'll be smoking meth on the next pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to my old coke guy. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, and then from the second doc, um, I I did love. We talked about that sequence with the mom's funeral and the home videos, but. Afterwards, there was a moment where Amazing Jonathan got a, a star on the on the Walk of Fame, mm. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he did not invite Ben Berman to the ceremony. So Ben Berman had to use the stock footage. That was funny from the internet. Was he getting the Hollywood star, or was it Chris Angel? Oh, Chris Angel. I think it was, was. Chris Angel. Sorry, yeah, Chris Angel was, and yeah. he was just there. That's right. For some reason, I love it. It's like just With use the stock footage and, yeah. and shit. <laughs> that was a weird crew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wasn't Gary Oldman there too? Yeah, it was Gary Oldman. All oh, right, yeah. that was bizarre. I didn't get that <laughs> at all, but okay. <laughs> and then uh, let's talk about the end. Oh, end of the movie. Sure. Ben um, Berman has you know exhausted all options, and he doesn't really have an ending to his movie. He's just well, sort of been punked by I, Jonathan over and over again. I love when Jonathan kind of eventually calls him out, and he says like, "It's inconvenient for you that I'm not dying." Yes. Because you can't end your movie until I die. Right. And that bothers you. And that's why, you know, that's why you're getting so frustrated making this documentaries because I haven't died yet. You can't end your movie. So uh, he finds a new end where um, as he uncovers that 
Jonathan telling him that this Academy Award winning producer was making another documentary. He finds that all that was false and this other Academy Award winning producer had no fucking clue. <laughs> well, he tracks him down, meets with him in London, and he asks him, will you produce this film? Says he, he explains, he says, you know, you were, for some reason, your name was getting floated around attached to this film. But uh, will you produce mine? And right. he agrees and he tells Jonathan, look, this guy did agree to it. So now you were always right. <laughs> <laughs> turns out your documentary was produced by the same search for sugar man crew <laughs> uh, which yeah. which which i gotta be honest right at the end of this documentary when they get to the credits and the first thing that pops up was mm. executive producer and yeah. uh what's simon his name chin is his simon name. chin as soon as that popped up it it felt really earned yes, yes it does you know what yeah. i mean it's like, very satisfying yeah. Even though I don't think Simon Chin had anything to do with this movie, really. No, no. he just looked at a cut and was like, "Sure." I'll and he gave some him notes. some money, probably or whatever. Yeah, maybe, like, yeah. right. Probably you know. a little bit of help with distributing and stuff like that. But that yeah. was sure, sure, sure. Those types of things. But yeah, like I mean, this he was asked in the last scene of this movie to be involved. <laughs> the rest of the movie was already filmed. Yeah, right? exactly. Before this guy was even approached, and it, like, and Chin was like, "Yeah, I." I it's funny. I did see an article that mentioned my name in it about this magician doc, and like I didn't know what that had to do, you know, what that had to do with me. I really should have pursued it more when I saw that. Um, yeah, it's it's a like a, a really cool ending, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, th this is sort of one hundred and one of like documentary filmmaking. Just like let the story take you wherever mm -hmm. it will take you. You know, you have to be open minded with these things. Um, but yeah, and it I enjoyed it both. manages to be it manages to be funny and magical in a sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is very I appropriate. Agree. Yeah, I enjoyed both. I, I think the first yeah. one was like a you know pretty good well, explanation of who this guy was, and the second one was like a really cool art piece. Yes, I do. Got to be honest, watching that first one again, it reminded me of how I felt about the first one the first time I'd watched it, which was honestly too much Joel. I just don't care. <laughs> oh, I, I, I just like Joel. He's fine. Yeah. But I just. I gotta be honest with you. I was like, I'm here for Jonathan, and I'm learning about this like fucking Australian kid. And I gotta be honest with you, it's not what I'm here for. I don't care. I felt that way the first time, and I felt that way more the second time. I'd I'd pay to see like a movie about their relationship. You know, I was watching that, and that's why I, I messaged you guys in the group chat that there, it'd be funny to see like Alan Tudyk and Tom Holland yeah, make a movie about these two. I think that'd be really funny because <laughs> it's just a, what'd you say? Directed by uh, <laughs> probably directed by Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. It's yeah. just so yeah. obvious. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, anything else? Any fleeting thoughts about Amazing Jonathan? Uh, rest in peace, obviously. It mm -hmm. feels like, you know, we've been, again, eulogizing him for years, and now he's just sort of gone. But yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, a kooky character that I've always uh, I've always admired. I love the guy. The three hours of documentary, and I, yeah, I think I love the guy. Yeah. It's sad. He really was uh, extraordinary in, uh, in, in just, like, I don't know. I, his magic, his misdirection in particular. Yeah. He was just so amusing. And, and just it, so it's, unpretentious is another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really loved it. Yeah, that is sad. Really is one of the greats. How old was he again? 63. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. All right. Game time. Drew 
Got a little ambitious there. Uh, all right, a basic Jonathan. How much was he worth? Uh, I know how much he's worth. For his untimely demise. Did you look this up? I was watching. I was like, and he said, I, I made millions. I'm like, made millions? What the oh. fuck? And then I looked it up. <laughs> all right, so maybe Nick and I should. So yeah, you guys can do it. I know the number, yeah. All right, what's your guys' number? I'm going to say like five mil. Five mil? Yeah. yeah. How many Drew Cares is that? Uh, 18. 18, yeah. No. I'm going to say 25 18? million. About. No, not 18. Uh, 36, right? 36? Whatever it is. $5 million. What are you saying, Nick? $25 million. Okay. So, what are, so what are the numbers here? We have $5 million, $25 million. So let me, hold on. Let me do the math in my head. Uh, it's about eight. Okay. Oh, boy. About I eight think, Jonathans to a Drew Carey. Is that right? Yeah, okay. What's the number? Yeah, I th- does that mean... You want me to read the number? Okay. No, I know what the number is, but I think we have a tie. We do have a tie. It's $15 million. Yeah, yeah it's wow. 15. Yeah. <laughs> Not again! What do we do about this? What do we do? I mean, I, I guess you do close it without going my, over my, again. My thought was, like, the guy, you know... Did he make that much money? Probably not. But like at the same time, I don't think he spent a lot. Bought his house and then he just lived off of like Kraft mac and cheese and meth. Like <laughs> and those are both pretty cheap, you know? Yeah, that ain't bad. He bought a lot of cars. That was that was something Did he? that he spent a decent amount of money on. Yeah. As we so. know, cars are a great asset. Ugh, I fucking hate cars. I hate Valuable cars. asset. Okay, I have an idea for a tie break. <laughs> yeah. Adam looks up a weird Al Yankovic song. And the first one of us to correctly guess what the song is a parody of. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I mean, you might as well Wins. give it a Nico. No, 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 give no, it a no shot. because they're kind of they're obvious enough. No, I think here's what we do. We go back and forth until one of us gets it. Until, oh, you know, someone breaks surf. You know? All right. All right. One of us gets it wrong and the other one gets it right. <laughs> uh, OK. OK, hold on. I don't know. Song names very well is the problem. Well, we have a bunch. Okay. Quite a few. But don't do the obvious ones. Don't do like I lost on Jeopardy or Eat right. It or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say. Eat <laughs> It. <laughs> <laughs> God. We're not so funny. All right. So. Ba, 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 ba. I can't believe you're one of those guys who has like a fucking uh, pop thing on your phone. It's not. What? It's very not you. Pop not, socket. I love it. It's not me. Man. Yeah, it's not really your no vibe. Oh, well, also, it's a turtle. <laughs> yeah, it is. Turtle. I like the turtle. Is that's the problem? No, it's 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 great. Because have I had to uh, um, defend myself with this before? How you can not just before. like no, not previously. Sit it up like this, and it's just nice. If I want to watch a video like that, I can just put it wherever. That's the biggest reason why I like it. But then if I'm on the phone in the car, which happens a lot, I'm ashamed. Part, part of being a man, Adam, is struggle. That's true. Struggle. That's all right. Struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I you can't. have it too easy. It's hard to grip things when I'm rock climbing all the time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll do an easy one first for Nick. Oh, okay. and then, and, and oh then, don't rig the game now. No, I know. But, but like you, you both would get it. I know. So why is he getting it? You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I because I have more faith in you than Nick. That's why. Go ahead. <laughs> Give me you a should. break. Go ahead. All right, Nick. Canadian idiot. American idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. I just Obviously. wanted to get one. What the literal fuck? I wanted to get one. <laughs> Ch- 
Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Happens to be his favorite band of all time, too. Yeah, yeah. Never heard of that song. Ooh. Um. <laughs> Pick the most obscure shit ever for Nico now. <laughs> Couch potato. Ooh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> He's not going to get it. <laughs> well, come on. Well, can, can we can we make it a little difficult? I thought you might I thought you might get this one. <laughs> well, can you give me the the approximate like year? Couch potato. Uh or era or art or genre or something? Rap. Movie song. Oh, is it Lose Yourself? Yes it is. Okay. There you go. Really? Lose Yeah, I know. That's kind of I was trying one. to think about that one. I was like, how does that work? Hmm. Okay. I have one for Zach, but uh, yeah. At least pick one out where they kind of rhyme, you know? Okay. Where they're guessable. <laughs> All right, Nick. Everybody stopped listening by now, by the <laughs> I just, way. I just got to get... I kind of like this game, though. It's not bad. It's fun. I have a good time. <laughs> All right. That's <laughs> all that matters, Nick. <laughs> so we're having a good time. Isle uh, <laughs> uh, thing. <laughs> wild thing yeah <laughs> I just want to give Nick all the obvious ones <laughs> alright go ahead like give, give me mine the obscure ass yeah. <laughs> I love it uh, for Nico I want a new duck <laughs> I want a new duck I want a new duck. <laughs> does does the title have the word fuck in it? No. I have a, I have a guess if he doesn't get it right. I want a new duck. 80s. Mm-hmm. Very famous. Uh I think I think I actually know what it is. Pops up in a couple movies that you love that I love. I could be wrong though. I don't know. I don't know if you know the song. I want a new duck. Yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna give Nick the obvious hang ones. On, it's hang, too on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. I want a new duck, <laughs> but it does rhyme. Does the title rhyme with the original? At least you, you got to give me somewhere I have a chance here. Duck does not rhyme, but the, everything about it is the same title except for the word duck. I want a new. <laughs> I don't know it then. I'll just give it to you. It's I want a new drug by Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do okay. one more round and see how we do. Okay. All right, Nick. Uh, like a surgeon. <laughs> oh, <Jesus laughs> fucking Christ. Oh, I don't know, Adam. Like a surgeon. What? Can't think of it? <laughs> can't think of it. I can't do it. Well, you lose. Uh, you lose, sir. Oh. <laughs> It was Nirvana's Nevermind. Come uh, on. Oh, oh yeah, right. should have gotten that. <laughs> Boy, I mean. uh, Go ahead. Give me one. All right. Like a surgeon. <laughs> uh, mm, let me find a good one. This is the last time we let Adam host a game. Oh, I'm so... This is so... I'm so great at this. Uh, toothless people. Come on. Toothless people? Toothless people. Come on. Come on. Toothless people? Toothless people. 
toothless people? Useless people. Toothless. <laughs> toothless people. Ruthless people? Yes. Okay. <laughs> One more. One more. Uh, One more. For oh all the God. marbles. For all the marbles. For, for you or Nick? Give me a hard one, and if I get it, I win. Yeah, a hard if one. If not, Nick wins. All right. Wow. Wow. You can give Nick eat it. All right. All right. Uh, hold on. Beat it. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. A hard one? Yeah. Uh, that, but not impossible. Like, yeah. You know I, I mean, I'm looking for one that rhymes. Uh... <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> oh, this guy's such an idiot. Theme from Rocky. What is what number is that? Thirteen. <laughs> the theme from Rocky Thirteen. <laughs> you might be able to get this one. Theme from Rocky Thirteen. And it's not gonna fly now. <laughs> no. Theme from Rocky Thirteen. The song is called Theme from Rocky Thirteen. <laughs> yes. Think of. No, I can't give you too many clues. Theme All from right, Rocky so Thirteen. Theme from Rocky Thirteen. So it's got to be an artist that was featured in one of the Rocky movies. Well, yes. Am I on the right track there? That's correct. So, uh... <laughs> wow. Such so a... is it Living in America, James Brown? No. <sighs> no, it's not. No, it is not. Damn it! I mean... Thought it, it was onto something there. The, okay, this, the, it, it, it's because of that, the performer is not in the movie. It's not in the movie, Rocky. Oh, I have the tiger. Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's correct. What the fuck? This guy's a crazy lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> from Rocky Thirteen. What's interesting is Weird Al is a lunatic who doesn't do drugs. That is true. There that's you what go. Makes him so fascinating. There you go. So yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. Good show, boys. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fine show. Rest in peace, amazing Jonathan. Uh, Adam and I are going back to the year 2012 mm. this week on the Movie Hall of Fame. It was 10 years ago, if you can believe it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to dig up some more high school memories of Nikos. <laughs> also happened to be the year I met Rob, believe it or not. Oh, so, wow. uh, 2012 uh, will be discussed on the Movie Hall of Fame, Two Cents Radio. Still going. We solved World War Three on the Is last right? pod. We did. It's true. How'd you do that? Completely. Well, you'll have to listen and find out. Oof, I okay. recommend the Ukrainians and Vladimir Putin listen. And uh, I need help solving World War III myself. So yeah, I'll give it a shot. I can barely solve Wordle every day. Now I'm going <laughs> to solve World War III. Um, <laughs> Two Cents Radio. Listen to that. We love you. Until next time. You've all been so very, very naughty. Oh, no. no. no.